You know, there's some things that come to you late in life. Perhaps I wasn't mature enough to appreciate it in my younger years, but I certainly could have used the knowledge that God has given to me over the past few days from this passage of Scripture. It would have made my journey a whole lot easier. And I pray today that God will help some of you. I feel like every song has been orchestrated of the Holy Ghost and set the stage for this moment. And I am believing that God's going to minister. I don't know how it's going to wind up. We may all wind up on the floor just weeping before the Lord, or we may be rejoicing. But whatever, I want you to let God speak to you. Acts chapter 3, verse number 17. And now, brethren... I want that through ignorance, you did it. I went a little earlier in the chapter, but as as did also your rulers. You did what you did out of ignorance. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent, verse 19, repent you therefore. And be converted, that your sins be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. If you would allow me to read that same verse, that last verse from the New Century Version, a a newer translation, this is how it reads. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 21. But Jesus must stay in heaven until the time comes when all things, everybody say all things, when all things will be made right again. Amen. All things will be made right again. You may be seated. Some of us don't know we need to hear a thing that every one of us needs to hear. Some of us don't know we need to hear it yet, but we do need to hear it. I want to talk to you about a part of your journey, your spiritual journey, that perhaps many of you, as even I, have not given much thought to. So much of our life is spent Wanting to be understood. And not only understood, but acknowledged. Just for somebody to recognize who we are and where we are. We spend a lot of our time getting our story out. My story, your story. Trying in some way to get it told. And yet, 
how difficult that is. Most importantly, we want our story to be told correctly. We want it to be told factually. We want people to understand our actions. We want them to understand our decisions. We would hope that they would understand the reasonings behind all that we have done. But like Job, we are often misunderstood by our closest friends. Judged, criticized, condemned, slandered as a man because of what had happened in his life, all because his friends could not understand his story. They could not understand all that was involved in his life. They looked through natural eyes and there had to be a reason. There had to be some purpose behind all of this tragedy and loss. There's got to be a reason somewhere for what you're going through, Job. And yet they never were able to see the real truth of Job's story. Perhaps... Perhaps that is the reason that we have such a fetish nowadays over social media. Because it provides us a means of getting our story out. It provides us a means not only of getting our story out, but massaging it a little to make it look better than it really was. So many people live their lives trying to hide the facts and trying to conceal their true story. And so they have adopted what is known in modern Norman culture as spin doctrine. And they, they have, they, they have gotten into the spin zone. That simply means that you describe an act, a negative act, or something that's happened in a more favorable way than perhaps it should have been portrayed. Advertising does it and political uh, men and women do it. Hyperbole is used often to intentionally mislead somebody from the truth or the facts. It is a distinctive interpretation of events for a favorable result. And so many of us, I confess to be one of them, have spent time in my life trying to spin a better story than what was line is that we all hoping that people would understand. The bottom line is that we all just want our story to be heard. We just want our story to be told and told correctly. And yet, because of our story, because of my story, your story, your life, How many misunderstandings have come into your life over your story? How many have been taken wrong in decisions that you've made and choices? How many have you been misrepresented? Anybody ever told something about you that wasn't altogether true? They added just enough truth to make people want to think it was valid and yet there was so much distortion that was included in it that 
It didn't really give anybody a true picture of your story. Has anybody ever been judged harshly for things that you've done? And people ran you down the rail because of decisions that you've made. And they maligned you and they hurt you and they slandered you. That's that's because our story is hard to tell. Your story is hard to really bring all of the facts together. In your story, there are burdens that have been privately borne, and there are <clears throat> days when you have worn sackcloth within. Nobody knew the heartache or the burden or the trouble. There are some of you here this morning that have battled human limitations and human weaknesses secretly. And yet people could not understand why you were not more buoyant and why you were not more powerful or why you were not more anointed, not knowing your story, not knowing the burden that you had to deal with today and not knowing what you had to walk through just to get to church. And because you don't jump as high as they do and you don't talk in tongues as long as they do, they interpret your story as something wrong. How many times have you, and there's some of you dealing with that right now, struggling with physical issues that have limited your involvement And yet when people are looking from the outside, trying to read your story and interpret your life, all they see is you're just not there. They must not care anymore. They must not, they they must not love God anymore. They must not want to live for God anymore. And the reality is nobody knows the pain that they were suffering through that week and what they had to bore through in their own mind just to get into a frame of mind where they could come And somehow be able to enjoy the presence of the Lord. How many people in this building have had to live alone? You would like to have screamed at times so that somebody would have listened and looked and heard your story. But they were too busy spinning that story the way they thought it ought to be read. And the way they thought it ought to have been written. How many of us have been misunderstood in our life. And the great burden of life is that we cannot always tell our side of the story. As a pastor, there are many times that I can't say all that I know because the collateral damage would be so great it wouldn't be worth what little bit of victory I might have accomplished from saying those things. How many times in your own life have you had to bear the burden and you had to silently walk through life with people not knowing? You know, that's the most difficult part about living is that people just don't know. They don't know how much pain you fought through. They don't know how long you were up in the night. They don't know that for you just to get your mind together and be able to function in a normal way is almost more than you can do. And yet, when they look at you and they try to interpret your life and your story, they're like Job's friends. Something's wrong. It must be backslidden. I know they're not going to be long. They'll be gone like all the others. 
And all the time you're crying out within, if somebody, if you can just tell your story, if you could just get it out there so people would know that's not you, that's not who you are, that's not what you've done, it would be so good. There was no way at times to defend yourself. And so you just kept your, your, your words and you sealed your lips and you let it you let it play out. Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good to know that there is coming a day when that's all going to be turned around? Amen. This passage of Scripture has gotten hold of me, and I, I didn't sleep much last night, but over the last few days it has just been churning in my spirit. I've read this so many times that sometimes I get mental blocks. We think about restitution and we're thinking about revival and, and all, and, and, and all of that is involved in that. And I know years ago when I was a young person, uh, the, the evangelists would come through and they preach strongly that in order to have revival, there had to be restitution. And I've seen revivals where they made people go back to people and apologize publicly to them. Or if something had done wrong, if they had, you know, cheated somebody, go back and pay up their debt so that we could have a revival breakthrough. And that's been the focus of our mind and our attention, that we got to get it right. But the reality is this doesn't have anything to do with me getting it right. This has everything to do with him making it right. Peter said there is coming a day when all things, say that with me, all things. Say it again, all things. I mean, A, what do you not understand about all? All things will be made right. Amen. Stay with me. The restitution, number one, will be the clearing of all matters pertaining to this world, His plans, and His purpose. From the creation of time until the end of time, when this day comes, that day of restitution is going to be the clearing up of all of the matters that pertain to God and His kingdom and His purpose and His will. And the Bible said that truly on that day, the story will be told. The true story. There will be script. And on that day, accounts will be settled. There will be scriptures that will be brought back to our memory on that day of the things that we did or we did not do in our lifetime. And it is very clear in all of scripture, if there's anything that I know of, is that there is going to be a reckoning day, folks. Listen to me. Everybody look at me right now. There's going to be a reckoning day for all of us. Just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from that reckoning. Every one of us, the Bible said we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we are going to give account. 
The truth is that many in our world do not believe that anymore. And the sad fact is many people in Pentecostal churches don't believe that anymore. But let me read to you what his word says. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. One translation said, for we must all appear before Christ's judgment seat in our true character. That would be a great revelation in some quarters. Our true character. Another translation said, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare. There's not anything going to be hidden on that day. Every secret will be known. Revelation 20.11 said, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it. And from that whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, that is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in there along with them. We don't hear much preaching about that anymore. We don't hear much of that because it's too uncomfortable to think that one of these days we are going to give an account for our lives. I'm going to stand naked before God. Think about that. You can't hide anything. I'm real good at covering up stuff now. I comb my hair over a little bit so you can't see my bald spot. I fluff it out so you can't see my hearing aids. Ah, you smiling, but you're doing the same thing. You stand in front of that mirror just so long, you, you want to get your best profile? Because we don't want them to see us when we get up out of bed in the morning. Because that's too raw. That's who we are. But more than that, they don't want to see us whenever even that flesh is peeled away and our spirit is revealed. Nothing's going to be hidden any longer. Nothing. This was at one time a great deterrent to sin. When men considered the fear of the Lord and men conscious of what they did, carried consequences. They were much more conscious of what they did than the world in which we now live where we have been convinced that there are no consequences to our actions. Amen. And yet we've lived with that knowledge that one of these days it's all going to be made right. But you know what? I didn't really come preach to you about that. I didn't come to preach about judgment today. I came to encourage somebody. For the child of God, there's going to be a settling of accounts as well.
And it's going to be a day of vindication. It's going to be a day of validation. When God is going to tell your story right. And all the hyperbole and all of the rumors and all of the lies and all of the hurts that have been intended to wound you are going to fade into the background as God himself begins to reveal your story. Every story is going to be made right. More importantly tonight, your story, or this morning, your story is going to be made right. That day is going to be a clearing up of all things that pertain to my life. And all of the misunderstandings and all of the things that people wondered about and they questioned about my my, my character or my tenacity or my dedication on that day. He's going to read from the book. And he's going to read my story like it needs to be read. He's going to read about every burden that was carried. He's going to read about every tear that was shed privately. He's going to read about all those days that you went and nobody spoke. And nobody encouraged you. But somehow you had the grace and the gumption to get up and go on. Even in light of what they were saying around you. Even in light of what people were murmuring. And even in light of what they were saying behind your back. You were able to filter your way through all that somehow. It wasn't only the grace of God that allowed you. But somehow you're here this morning and you've made it. You've got a few scars on you. And there's some people in this building right now that are still wounded so deeply. It's going to take a long time for you to heal because of hurts that were inflicted upon you by people that you love and you trusted. But you hear me today. There's coming a moment when God's going to write the story and he's going to read it like it needs to be written. And he's going to let the world know that every decision you made was worthwhile, that every choice you made was worthy, that every decision that brought you closer to him is going to be validated for what it was. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise today. Every misunderstanding. I could go back in my life to some very painful experience. And I had someone share this Sunday. And I had someone share theirs with me after service. They cannot be shared without a quivering lip and a tear. Because the hurt, even though it's long past, is still in the memory. And some of you... People have turned and walked away from you. They have ostracized you. They've labeled you troublemaker. Yeah, I'm going to preach to you today if that's all right. Because somebody needs to tell you. It doesn't matter what they say. 
What's going to matter is what he's going to say. And one of these days, he's going to open the book. And he's going to start reading from the very beginning. And he's going to detail every step, every turn, every nook and cranny of your life. And all the world is going to have to sit there and listen while God himself vindicates you because you held on. Because you didn't crater. Because you didn't give up. Because you didn't turn around and walk away from him. You were able to get back up scarred and wounded, hurt and beaten down. Somehow you got back on your feet and said, God, if you can just help Help me get through this mile. If you can just help me get through this trial, I'll live for you. And you've lived for him. And because you've lived for him, there's coming a day when he's going to say, Dwayne, I want you to hear your story now and hear it from my perspective. I want you to know that every choice, every prayer you pray, everything you committed yourself to, everything you gave your heart to, is going to be vindicated. All the hidden sorrows, all the rejection, all the hundreds of small unseen choices that you made that people questioned whether you were doing the right thing. They questioned whether or not you were in your right mind. Am I talking to anybody? The hurt still lingers. Because the ones that left you were the ones that were closest. The hundreds of times. You listen to me. Listen to me right now. The hundreds of times that you made the choice to overlook some cutting remark rather than get your ounce of flesh and flare back. You just held your peace. And let the Lord fight your battle. Every time that you had to bite your tongue. When it would have been easy to spill the beans. Because some of you are dealing with people in your life. That are spinning a story that's not even close to truth. It's more fiction than fiction. And you're still having to deal with them. You're still having contact with them. They still have influence over your life. They still have a touch on your life. And you have to listen to all of that. And everything inside of you is crying out. Somebody listen! That's not the story! And yet you can't do that. You don't have the privilege. And even if you tried to tell some people, they couldn't understand. They can't. They can't understand your burden. They can understand their burden, but they can't understand your burden. That's why you should never take anybody else's offense up because God's offense carries somebody else's offense. He only gave you the grace to carry your offense. And so even if we try to tell them, they're never going to understand why we chose to go this way when we could have gone that way. Why we chose to worship here rather than there. Why we chose to identify with this group rather than that group. And somebody's always got a record book out in this hand. Man, is he thinking right? Does, does he know what he's doing? And then the whispers. Oh, there's been, there's been times in my life 
when I would have liked to have had a fly swatter. Anybody know what a fly swatter is? Y'all don't know anything about that, but when I was a kid, we had fly swatter. There was a long stick with a big old flap, rubbery thing on it, and when flies came around, you could just whap. I've been, there have been times I just wanted to run through a group of people with a fly swatter and just pop them on the mouth. Pop, 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 pop. Saying, you lying devil, you. But all you could do is just stand on the sidelines and let them talk. Did you hear me? God sent me this morning to tell somebody that because you have carried that burden and you have kept a right spirit and you have kept coming, sometimes dragging yourself in, sometimes barely able to lift your hands because of the burden you were carrying. God said one of these days, I'm going to make that story right. I'm going to let everybody know the truth. Amen. You know what? That knowledge alone should be the greatest encouragement for all of us to keep going. Because just knowing, since that, since God has given me that revelation, I wish I'd have had this 20 years ago. I wish I'd have had it 30 years ago. It would have saved me from a lot of stupid mistakes thinking I was going to get my ounce of flesh or I was going to make them pay. I've never been able to make anybody pay. Never. But if I'd known this back then, I think maybe I would have had the grace to have stepped away and said, you know what? That's all right. There'll be a day. There's coming a day. It's going to be made right. God's not going to leave anything unraveled. He's not going to leave anything unraveled. You don't believe that? Go read Matthew 25. And Jesus was talking to his disciples and said, I was a hungry and you fed me. I was hungry and I wasn't fed all that. And they said, when did we see you a hunger? When did we see you and we didn't feed you? And he said, when you did that to the least of these, that tells me that there's not one thing, Brother Twentier, that I do in my lifetime that God is not taking note of. If it's giving water to somebody that needs water or giving bread to somebody that needs bread, there's not one action of my life that I do to help somebody else that God's not writing down in his book. And one of these days, he's going to stand before all creation and he's going to say, attention, everybody. I want you to hear the story as it really needs to be told and he's going to dot every I and cross every T and he's not going to leave one detail out and every minute faithful thing that you did God's going to be mindful of it that ought to encourage you to lift up your hands and worship if nothing else that ought to encourage you to thank God that he does know where I am and he knows what I'm going through that ought to cause you to want to stand on your feet and say God thank you for your good thank you for what you have told me today it's through I, there was so many things that I wanted to say I'm going to close I'm, I'm almost through I, there was so many things that I wanted to say but I just don't I don't know that I can say them all how many of you in your life have wished that you could go back and do some things over? Anybody? Just wish you could go back. Now, I understand that there are a lot of things that I probably could have done better. But here's what we fail to remember. That under those circumstances... 
it was the best decision I could make. It wasn't maybe the wisest one I could make, but it was the best decision. It was the only decision that I knew to make. At the moment, it was all that I could see. I was so burdened and so oppressed. But I did my best. And I made as right of a choice as I could. But there's going to come a day, Clyde, when he's going to help make that right. He's going to prove to the world that even in my limited capacity, because I did it from my heart and I was wanting to do right, I didn't know all the facts and I didn't have all the details. He's going to say, hey, let me tell you how that really happened. Let me tell you about the duress that they were living under at that moment. Let me tell you about the chaos that was going on at home. The husband that hated them. The husband that every time they walked out the door threatened that he was going to kill them. And they knew that when they walked back in that house that night, he was going to beat them down to where they had to crawl to bed. And yet I know women that have crawled back into bed and then got back up and come to church. Nobody knew it. They wondered why they didn't jump a little higher because their legs were so broken up they couldn't jump higher. And you know what I found out? The people that are always wondering why I'm not jumping high have good legs and they're not jumping at all. They don't have anything wrong with them. But one of these days, He's going to break that book open. He said, no, all right, now, now let me tell you. Let me take you back there. You remember that time you thought you were all alone? Those aren't your footprints. Those are mine. If you didn't know it, I was carrying you at that time. Yeah. Let me, t- let, let me show you. At that moment, there might not have been a better decision. Now, looking back, my taillights burn a whole lot brighter than my headlights, folks. I don't know about you. But when I look back, I see a whole lot clearer than when I'm looking forward. But God understands that about me. And God knows the heart. And he knows that if that moment I was doing all that I knew to do, when he wrote it down, he wrote it down right. He wrote it down right. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. I'm closing. Stand with me if you will. Peter was no different than you and I. He is... Very close brother to all of us. There was a young man that came to Jesus one day and wanted to know something about eternal life. And Jesus told him, he said, obey the commandments. I've done all that. Kept them from my... He said he looked at him and he... And the scripture said that he looked at him and he, he loved him. He loved him. He, he was moved. And he said, all right, if you want to do right, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. The Bible said that he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. And then there becomes this, this, this stirring among the disciples because the next thing Jesus said is that It's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. It's like 
threading the eye of a needle. It's not impossible, but he, he said, and he wasn't talking about a rich man person. He was talking about a person whose life was controlled by their riches. And that's obvious what this man's problem was. He could have given it and wouldn't probably have ever known all that he had given. But it wasn't about the amount of money. It was the fact that he didn't want to let go of it and let God manage it for him. You know what I've discovered about God? I've never given anything to him that he didn't give back to me in some measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So if he asks me for that, I ought to give it to him because he's going to give it back. And when he gives it back, it's going to be better than it was when I gave it to him. What kind of deal is that? And so this kind of stirred the disciples up. And finally, Peter, old Peter, he had the courage to speak up. And he said, verse 27, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? What are we going to get for this? Verse number 28, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, the restitution that that was written about by Luke in Acts chapter 3, when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon His glorious throne, you who have been my followers, will also sit on the twelve tribes judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And, everybody say and. And everyone, everyone, say that with me, everyone. That means all of us, everyone. Everyone, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Everyone. Who has given up houses, who has given up who has given up, who has sacrificed, who has gone the extra mile, who has bitten their tongue, who has made choices secretly that nobody could understand. Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father. You cannot name more intimate relationships that he was talking about there. And he wasn't just literally talking about giving up your family. He was talking about letting go of the things that are most tender and sensitive and dear to you. Jesus said, nobody that gives that up for me is going to go lacking. Not one sacrifice you've ever made, one tear you've ever shed, Not one labor you've ever offered, not one gift you've ever brought is going to go unknown. Amen. Everyone, everyone, I want you to get that in your mind. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake, what's going to happen? They will receive a hundred times. As much in return and, my goodness, how do you get any better than that? I mean, you, 
You give a little bit and he magnifies it a hundred times. That ought to be heaven in itself. But he doesn't stop there. He says a hundred times and life eternal. So that all the rest of your existence, your story is always going to be told right. Because you're going to be in a land where there's no more lying tongue. And there's no more deceitful deeds. And there's no more devil. And there's no more hell of any kind, literal or imaginative. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more sorrow. There's no more heartbreak. There's no more disappointment. You're going to be in a place where the story is going to be true for eternity. So here's the deal, church. If all I've got to do is just live through a little bit of misery down here for that kind of reward, don't you think it would be worthwhile to leave your future in God's hands and quit worrying about your story and let God write it? Oh, hallelujah. Maybe this isn't doing anything for anybody but me, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is ministering to me right now. Because there's a thousand things I would like to get right today. I want to clear it up. I don't want people walking out these doors with, you know, some people, we say this. I want to help you understand. And even in saying that, I know that's impossible. Everybody's not going to understand. And yet, we try. But even with the misunderstanding, I think it's worth my effort. It's worth my consecration. It's worth my commitment. It's worth me going on a little further. I can live in any situation. You hear me? I can live through any situation. I can live with any situation if I know that one of these days he's going to write the record and he's going to tell the story. (laughs) So say whatever you want to say. Load my wagon down with all the junk you want to load it down with. But one of these days I'm going to lay my burden down. And when I do, I'm going to pick up a robe of righteousness and he's going to say, enter in, son. I want you to rule and reign with me. I want you to sit upon my throne with me because you've overcome. You lived through hell. You went through trouble, but you kept going. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think we all need to come to the altar this morning. We're not going to pick on one or two people. I'm picking on all of you today. I want everybody because I'm preaching to everybody in this building right now. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.